0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 437. Today's show is brought to you by
1: Squarespace, Clean My Mac X, and
0: Trade. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell.
1: Hi, John Hurley. Aren't are, uh, are all my co hosts named John now? I mean, if, you, if that's what you're looking for, if you need that, no, you can do that. No, I, I think we need to revert to normalcy now. It's good to have you back.
0: Good to be back. And I have a hashtag snow Talk question. It comes from oh, Brantz. This was such a specific question that I wanted to ask it in case there was some kind of reason that Brantz asked this that maybe I'm not aware of. Brance wants to know, Jason, do you have a second refrigerator in your garage?
1: <sighs> it is a strange question. Did I I you know, Mike, you know more than anyone. Yep. We talk on podcasts a lot. And you don't always remember what stories you've told, what things you've disclosed. Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna just—I don't know why Brant is asking this. Um, the answer is no. I—I uh-huh. I did so. Um, so Jamie took a friend's refrigerator, a uh, little tiny mini refrigerator, to college her freshman year. And then her sophomore year, she was in an apartment, didn't need it. So she brought it back and it sat in our garage. And at some point I plugged it in and I used it as like the, I tried to use it as like an auxiliary, like soda and beer storage thing because our, you know, uh, to to fit more stuff in the fridge. So you're like, oh no, we're out of beer in the fridge. It was like, aha, there's backup beer, right? Or there's yeah. backup soda. Great. Um, I did that for a little while, but it turns out that I I didn't use it consistently and it was just sitting there, you know, wasting power. So eventually I decommissioned it. And then um, now Julian is in the dorm (laughs) and he has that refrigerator. So it is it has moved on to the next child. Um, And so there's probably who knows what dorm stuff is in there now. Uh, But that means it's not here. And when he stops using it, I suspect we will give it away and not bring it back. Yeah. To fill up my already very crowded garage full of garbage.
0: I feel like at that point you would just get a new small fridge, right? Then like keep moving this fridge hundreds yeah, of miles. Pro-
1: probably. And it seems and it's just unnecessary because I can walk out my door to the refrigerator. I can like literally see the refrigerator uh-huh. from here. Um because I'm I'm podcasting with the door open today. It's very Ooh i know it's risky risky Mm -hmm. move um and the uh yeah so and that refrigerator is great and and why would i not use it and and i can just get up and go there it would it might have been might have been different if it was far away i have some friends who work in a detached space and they have to go inside and it's like well okay maybe i could see having a little refrigerator if like back when this uh I didn't have a door into my house, so I would have to go outside and unlock my front door and go into m- my house in order to um, get anything. But that's just not the case now. So it's it just seems like a waste of, of space and energy. So we don't.
0: If you would like to send in a question of your own, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk. Use question marks SnellTalk in the Relay FM members Discord and maybe you can get a very specific answer of the layout. of it. Do you think Brance is planning a heist?
1: I... I worry that Brant's like the calls coming from inside the house a little bit. Uh, I'm also concerned that Brant's might need a refrigerator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe Brant's is a refrigerator uh,
1: or a refrigerator salesman. Can, do you have you heard of the good news about refrigerators in, in your garage? I don't know what Brant's is up to here, but uh, that's the answer. Is that there? There was a. Uh, it was. Uh, it was. It was Jamie's friend Bastion. Mm-hmm. Hi, Bastion. He doesn't listen. Um, Although I think he has. Uh, And he he let Jamie have it, and uh, then it sat here for a couple of years, and now Julian's got it. And I don't think it's ever coming back, because I don't want to haul it back here, quite frankly. So, yeah, that's where we are with uh, the mystery of the the legend of the second refrigerator. (laughs) So,
0: I'm back now. I very much enjoyed
1: the last couple of episodes with the Johns. Do you have an out-of-body experience when you're listening to Upgrade and you're not? Well, I mean, you were—you also were on it. You introduced it and read some ads. That was weird to me it. when it I was weird.
0: listening back. I will say that. But I did like the idea. That was your idea that I would just mm-hmm. do a little Introduce intro. Introduce the show. Which... I can. I was thinking two things. Maybe it's fun for you because it's like you know it makes you feel like a Letterman type, right? Someone's uh-huh. introducing. But then yeah. also, I thought weird for the guests because I guess you started the recording of I each say episode by say "Thank you, Mike," and they're like, "Well, he's not here." Yep.
1: Hmm, so. Yeah, yeah. I think they got they they rolled with it. I think they know yeah, showbiz okay. like the it's, it's post production. We're gonna fix that in post. But yeah, it was a fun thing. I I feel like it's le- maybe a little less jarring to have it be like. Uh, You know, you with the from relay FM and all Mm -hmm. of that, and the music. I also got some feedback about they were people were disconcerted that it wasn't my weird messed up version of the theme song Uh uh, fade outs and all of that. Um, and I pointed out that now that um, our friend Jim Metzendorf edits the podcast, he yep. just does it the mic way every Jim time. Jim does it the
0: correct way. Jim uses yeah. the right music. You know, <laughs> I, I was thinking. I was like, I, I could Jason have, I could have gone Jim? behind the scenes yeah, and, and,
1: and like your connected host, I could have betrayed you mm-hmm. and demanded that Jim do a different intro, but I didn't even think of it, quite honestly. I was just more concerned in recording the episodes and... And getting them out. And we did those live at, at our usual recording time yep, and streamed cool. it live on, on Relay, which was also not a thing. Back when John Syracuse had a job, I had to record those episodes on, like, Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of nice to do it at the usual time. I'm, and I think I had to I had to get John Grouper up early, you know, because he had to make it by <laughs> noon Eastern.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I really loved the episodes. Thank you to the Johns for filling in
1: uh, yeah. on my behalf. Yeah, that was fun. It was really good. Always oh, nice to have a change of pace. And yeah. Get those guys uh, talking about stuff they don't necessarily talk about on their other podcasts. Yeah, it was good. How was your trip? Oh, my trip was wonderful. I yeah. had a
0: great time. Very relaxing. Uh, very fun. Um, it was. It ended up being exactly the trip that I was hoping for, really. Um, so I, I've come back feeling refreshed. I've drawn a line uh, in the sand for all of the horrors of buying the home, which is what I was... Right? So it's like, okay, all the of past. that happened. That's all in the past now. Vacation yep. was the barrier to now coming back and continuing forward.
1: That's good. So. You know, I had that moment. I was um, loading um, a couple of dishes in the dishwasher yesterday. And I, I thought to myself, you know, at some point I finally did let go the fact that uh, that I got extremely upset by yep. <laughs> the act of purchasing this dishwasher. And I'm over it now. And it, ma- it feels good to put it in the past and just be done with it.
0: I believe that the dishwasher story was an upgrade plus story.
1: I think so. I got very angry. I, they tried to deliver it 5 times. Anyway, now it's just a dishwasher. I don't mm-hmm. think about it. If
0: sometimes you want to hear Jason get mad about dishwashers, you should sign up for Upgrade Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com. Oh boy. It's just $5 a month or $50 a year, but until December 17th, this is the last time we're going to be able to tell you this. You can get 20% off a plan if you sign up for a year. So, an annual plan, you'll get 20% off the first year. So, you go to giverelay.com where you can learn more. But if you just use the code 2023holidays at checkout, you will get 20% off that first year. And that's uh, so you can go to getupgradeplus.com to sign up for this show. And we'll appreciate it. We're uh, we're working on some things for next year, some content stuff that we're both pretty excited about. Um, We enjoy Upgrade Plus and we think that you will too. So, Talking about content, just as a reminder to people, the voting for the Upgradies, the ninth annual Upgradies, has now closed, Mm. and I tabulated the whole thing today, Jason. I got on a tear, and it's ready, and I will say that there is some interesting results from the Upgradians, from their uh, nominations, uh, and uh, it helped me kind of finalize some of mine. Uh, the ninth Good. annual upgrade is will be released on December twenty sixth. So it's going to be a little Boxing Day present uh, for all of you from us.
1: That's right, and we're we're pre-recording that. So uh, mm. send that over. <laughs> then you send worry. over that information. I gotta I gotta spend some time this week thinking mm-hmm. about.
0: Oh, I'll have it. I'll have it in our document t- tomorrow. I didn't want to put in all a right. document today because it's not today's episode. You know.
1: Also, and and I know this is a little behind the scenes, but I think we need to t- tell people. Um, we are moving house in terms of making a new Google Doc for the show Okay, because we broke Google Docs. Yes.
0: On the iPad, at least. No, it's on the iPhone, too. Oh, on the iPhone. We've been using the same Google Doc for many, 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 many years. We just remove what's in the document each week and just redo it. And the Google Docs app now on my phone will crash every single time I open the document. So I yeah. don't know if you've tried this, Jason. Do you even have the Google Docs app on your phone? No. It's hmm. not a surprise to me, I think. No, not interested. But it's it is a instant crash for me.
1: To yeah, so we're gonna move and that'll be like uh that'll be I guess the well maybe the upgrades will be in its own document too. Who knows? But we'll we're we're gonna it's a good time. We're 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 refreshing here for twenty twenty three, getting it ready. Mm-hmm. But all my little shortcuts where I have to like press buttons or launch things or use a launch bar shortcut or all that to get to the upgrade yep. document, I'm going to have to change all, all of those. All going to have so to change. I have some of those painful. too. It's all got to yeah. change.
0: Just noticed friend of the show, Zach Knox, appeared in the document real quick. I don't know if you saw that. I saw
1: you, Zach. I didn't. Well, the, the most disturbing thing is that uh, John Syracusa is apparently yeah. still in the document, having left yeah. a. Guess what, everybody? He left a tab open. This is freaking <laughs> me out.
0: <John's>, John Syracusa <laughs> has been in our document all day. And mm-hmm. also, so typically, if you are, like, if, you're, if you have the document open, but you're not looking at it, it grays you out, right? But if you're active in the document, you see a little uh, color around the icon. And John, it looks like John has been active in the document all day, which has been very disgusting. His cursor
1: is resting right next to the red circle that says start recording when we start streaming. His cursor rests there. Character number one, the beginning of the document. But he could flip in there and just like start typing or delete our files or whatever every time if he wanted to.
0: So people may not know this or people may have forgotten this. Uh, but I used to edit Reconcilable Differences. Way back in the beginning, I was the official editor of the show. I don't remember how many I did, but it was a lot uh, before it moved to Jim Metzendorf, who is now the editor of this show, too. And so I had access to, and I think still have access to the Reconcilable Differences document. And in that document, at the very top, they spoke about this on the show before, they have the official cursor resting space, right? Yes. Where John wants people to put their cursors. Now, I used to purposely put mine lower. <laughs> I used to just ah. put it below. It just felt like fun for me. I never mentioned it. He never mentioned it to me, but I used to put it there. Oh, by the way, John Syracuse has now left the document, everyone. John Syracuse has now left. I don't know oh. if, if somebody was alive. you scare him. him out? I think finally we have gotten rid of him. Uh, it's an important update. John has left the, do- the document. Well, I just removed access to John. He's lost. <laughs> <access to Texas. laughs> That'll teach him. That'll teach him. Close your tab, John. See, now he's going to get a tab one day, and it's going to be like, you're not allowed to be here, and he's not going to yeah. know what it was.
1: I've removed Stephen Hackett from the document too. Get out, get that guy it's, out. Of here. This is a great. It's a great moment when we're going to about to leave the document, so it doesn't matter. And it's like, get out, everybody, get out. We're tearing this building down. Mm-hmm. It's unsafe. Get out now. You've
0: got to leave Zach in here though, because he might need things in here. Yeah, I know. So let's actually get into some real news and conversation. Okay. We've been we were talking right. about uh, a bunch before my break, and also I think you were talking to John Gruber about this uh, Apple's manufacturing diversification. Uh, looking yes. at like you know, we've spoken about this before. There's millions of iPhones that have been wanted to be made but can't be made, and it's going to impact Apple. And the question is, what are they going to do going forward? About this. Like, is this going to change Apple's commitment to China? You know, is this a good excuse for Apple to change its commitment to China? Well, a few things have happened. One, Tim Cook appeared at the tooling in ceremony for the new TSMC plant in Arizona and spoke along with President Joe Biden about how Apple silicon chips will be made in the TSMC chip in Arizona in the coming years. What chips that will be, we don't know. When they will actually be used in products, we don't know. But you know what this reminded me of? It reminded Mm -hmm. me a little bit of when he stood side by side with Donald Trump and let Donald Trump say that he made the Mac Pro happen.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Oh, it's well, it's exactly the same, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, the president is here and there are government somethings involved and isn't it great that we're here in the USA and this is all part of the politics of being the CEO of Apple right mm-hmm. of like you 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 you're trying to deal with a lot of different powerful uh governments and government agencies and and uh, you know and trying to navigate all of that and so this is an example of that that Apple is you know cuz Apple definitely gets that pressure from A lot of people in the U.S. Mm -hmm. about like oh, but they make everything in China and it's an American company and how how can they abandon manufacturing? We know the history there and it's a lot more complicated than that. And then you throw in the the whole issue of diversification away from not just uh, China but also feeling like all the all the high end chips made in the world are made in Taiwan and that's a one you know that's Mm -hmm. that's potentially dangerous too. It's another all your eggs in one basket kind of situation. So, but yeah, th- it sounds like this, you know, Apple's only going to get a third of the output from this factory and it's unclear what process. I, it sounds like they're going to they originally said 5 nanometer but then it's going to be 4 nanometer but like by the time this this factory comes online, it's probably not going to be making anything remotely like the cutting edge designs that Apple uses for its most important products. So, yep. it's probably going to be making uh you know legacy nodes it's going to be that Maybe. kind of stuff right mm-hmm. it's going to be older it, the se phone and and uh iPad. older designs that are still around and apple tv p- chips and stuff like that
0: yeah mm-hmm. but that's still something and it's the start of something right potentially uh moving on from that to to kind of Talk about some a little more. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Apple is accelerating more plans to move manufacturing out of China, and they're targeting India and Vietnam. And the way that I read in this article, and you you quoted it, I it's, it was a little complicated to to tease out what they were trying to say. But it seems like they're also looking to move to companies, manufacturing companies that are not Foxconn as well, even if they're even if Foxconn has a presence in other places. But. I uh, uh, what right. do you, was that your reading of this too
1: uh i don't know i mean they they mentioned foxconn one of the interesting things about foxconn is it's a taiwanese company but it's it it does a lot of work in china and has close ties to china as well It's 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 you know it, yes it seems like what apple is really trying to do is uh is diversify where it can. It sounds like in some cases, Foxconn is the vehicle for diversification, right? Like, can we, yep. Foxconn, you know, has this factory that we use in China. Let's get Foxconn to be the ones to push into Vietnam and India. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting and complicated.
0: Because this is the line I struggled with. It said like, and looking to reduce dependence on Taiwanese assemblers led by Foxconn technology group.
1: Yeah, well, there you go.
0: So, like, I so, read that as less reliance on Foxconn, which I also think yeah. is smart, right? Like, I think we spoke about it before. Like, I don't, I know, I remember re- uh, seeing, like, oh, Foxconn are going to open a factory in another country and Apple's going to use that. It's like, that's great, but it's still not fully diversified, right? Like, y- you're making them somewhere else, but you're not protecting against government interventions uh, over certain companies and stuff like that. So, full diversification is going to mean way more like an apple's very diversified in its i think we spoke about this in the past right about where it's getting the parts from like the parts for their devices come from all over the place the issue that they seem to be having is where they're assembled the assembly is the problem because mm-hmm. this stuff is so difficult to do and seems to need so much human intervention way more it seems than i would expect before i started learning more about this like how much is needed, like for there to actually be humans in the process, that they need to be able to have these uh, large facilities that are assembling the products or overseeing the assembly of the product, uh, and it seems like at the moment they're really just using Foxconn for that, and that's not—it's just not smart on paper, well, they're, they're, right? And, and it's and it's kind of strange to me that like how long they have let it go this way, because this is obviously a problem, like
1: right? Well, they're using—they're also using Pega Pegatron, right? Mm -hmm. Which is uh, another Taiwanese company, but they're using Pegatron in the iPhone 14 in India. So there's that. Like this is all, yeah, you know, this is a process. This is the thing is it's a very complicated, expensive, slow process that is now proceeding. So that's, you know, that's really what's going on here is they are very slowly trying to push because uh, i think yeah i think they've recognized that all of these look it's a it's a part of apple's philosophy that they ignored for a long time because it was so expedient for them convenient to do so of saying we need to control all the things you know we need to not be reliant on a on a single anything for something that's key to us and yet in terms of production which is certainly key apple ended up in one company with uh, sometimes in one region and sometimes with one company that was managing the factories for them, and that that is counter to Apple's whole ethos about it. They're like, "Oh, production doesn't count. It's just uh, it's just components and software and design." Uh, and and this feels like Apple saying, "No, production too. We need to not. If they don't own the whole widget, they at least need to not have one company that has or country that has complete control over their business because that like Apple." doesn't and shouldn't like that.
0: So speaking of Foxconn, uh, Foxconn have reported that that they are expecting that they will have their main iPhone factory back to full production by the end of December or the start of January. This is following the COVID shutdowns that they've had. And then there were riots among the workers due to the restrictions placed on them for lockdowns and that there were frustrations over working conditions. And bonus issues, which Fox kind of said was administrative administrative error, and everyone's gotten their bonuses now. I'm sure they have after they started rioting. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a mess for them right now, and I am really wondering at this point when actually will Apple be able to start satisfying demand for the iPhone 14, and how big of an impact is this going to be for them? This this is this is going to be a story that's going to go on for a while, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, when you start talking about uh, oh, we're going to be able to get up to speed by the end of December, start in January. That is exiting the holiday quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that what they're sort of saying there is, you know, they're they're priming the pump for Apple's uh, statements in late January when they do their financial results for their holiday quarter, and the iPhone sales are way down from what anybody expected. Um, That they're going to say, well, this is because of the factory, and we couldn't fulfill demand. But and then the next question is, is Tim Cook going to be able to say, but we are back up to speed now, or we got back up to speed a couple weeks ago, or we we expect to be back up to speed and have fulfilled all orders in the next few weeks? And that's that's the question. But it, it seems to me that it's going to be in the damage control of uh you know after they pick through the wreckage of the holiday quarter to say. But it's, you know, but we fixed it. Um, That that's how that's where this is now. Right. Because they can't Mm -hmm. like this is happening now. Uh, The holiday quarter is almost over. This is going to be an issue. And, you know, we don't know how much, but, you know, six billion. I mean, like it's going to be a big issue. And then the question is, will they get this in balance for next quarter or not?
0: You know I'm always looking, looking forward to earnings. You know I look forward to it. I'm really looking forward to this next one.
1: I know. Like I'm just imagine those charts. It's it's like a month and a half away, but just imagine those charts now. They're going to be so interesting. I'm excited mm-hmm. about them. Mm-hmm. Just get ready. This episode is brought to you in part
0: by our friends over at Squarespace. Squarespace really are the place to go when you're looking to put something online. They are the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Products, services, or the content that you create, Squarespace has you covered. It's so easy to get started with one of their beautiful, best-in-class website templates. They're so easy to customize. If you want to change some colors, some fonts, the whole layout, you can do all of it. You can just drag and drop. You can even do it on their iPad app as well, which I love. Their app is really great. Uh, But you just with their templates, it's as easy is just choosing one that best fits your business or the type of website that you want to make as the perfect starting place. They can even give you like, this is a good page layout, page structure you might like. We used Squarespace to make our website when we got married. And one of the great things is like one of their wedding templates had a bunch of like, you want to have Uh, visiting information. You want to have information about your registry, like it had all the pages there, so then we could just customize them and just change what we needed to. It was very cool. They have all of the tools that you may want if you want to be creating a blog, where you want to share your stories, photos, videos, the updates you've got going on. Everything can be categorized, easily shared. You can even schedule your posts to make your content work for you, and then you can learn from it with Squarespace's insights. If you ever wondered where your site visitors are coming from, where your sales are coming from, and which channels are most effective for you. All of this can be analyzed in Squarespace. Then you can use that data to improve your website, build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords, your most popular products and content. You can really learn something about how people are using your website and what they think of your business. So if you like any of this, or if you've got a website you want to build, go to squarespace.com/upgrade. You can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required. Then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code upgrade. You'll save 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com/upgrade and when you sign up, use the offer code upgrade to get 10% of your first purchase and show your support. For the show, Our thanks to Squarespace for their continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. So some big news broke in the middle of last week. Yeah. Uh, Apple had a press release for I feel like at this point, iOS 16.2 is basically iOS 17. It has so many things in it, like and things that as well like that they have not mentioned before, like that Apple Music Sing, like the karaoke mode. It's like, yeah. this is the first time we've heard of it. Why is all this stuff yeah. happening? But it is. And 16.2 is bringing with it a selection of features. One of them we'd heard about before, but there was like three or four new things around security, data protection, that kind of thing of you as an individual. But the big thing that everyone's talking about is a new feature called advanced data protection, which is essentially end-to-end encryption for your iCloud account and all of the stuff that would be stored within an iCloud backup pretty much, right? So in the past, we've spoken about this on this show before. Uh, it's something that's been frustrating for me for a while, and which is that like, you can... Apple end-to-end encrypts a ton of stuff, right? Just by default, so it's on your phone, and they, you know the, the the keys are stored of your device. They can never access it. That includes messages, unless you use iCloud backup, which you should, and everybody does. Uh, and if you also use iCloud, um, what's it called? Messages in iCloud or something like that. Messages in the cloud. Yeah. Then the information is available to law enforcement, that kind of thing, or if people were to get access to your iCloud account, they could see it, that kind of stuff, right? Have I done a decent job of explaining that? I don't think I feel like I have.
1: Uh, It is, I mean, I don't think it's literally everything they do, like mail calendars and something else is not in there. It's more, it's like nine more buckets um, that are in, that are encrypted mm-hmm. now, including that, um, including messages, right? That iMessage yep. is just completely yep. that way.
0: iCloud Drive, Notes, Photos, Reminders, Safari, Bookmarks, Shortcuts, Voice Memo, Items, and Wallet Passes, as well as messages will be included in Advanced Data Protection. The important one here, I think, really is messages, right? Like, that your messages are yours, they are kept secure. Of course, for a message conversation to actually truly be end-to-end encrypted both people have to have turned on advanced data protection right so like if me right. and you both have it on no one could ever get to our message but if i didn't and you did and you know someone wanted to to subpoena jason snell <laughs> then they, they could get that information potentially so
1: See, I, I just want to you mentioned messages in the cloud i wanted to mention mm-hmm. messages in the cloud is end-to-end encrypted but if you turn on iCloud backup, not yes. only are your messages backed up, but the decryption key for messages in the cloud is backed up, mm-hmm. which gives you access. So you were already able to make messages completely unencrypted, but it was that same thing. You had to turn out off iCloud backups in order to do it.
0: That's like the special incantation.
1: Right, because the key to unlock them is in the backup and so it's not like it's it's a little complicated but that's what it is and if you turn on this new advanced data protection thing then it is just because the backup is also encrypted it means that everything that could have the key is encrypted and therefore uh it's end-to-end encrypted completely
0: so if you have advanced data protection turned on it means that apple cannot look at your data or provide your data to any outside entities So, this is like one of the big things, right? So, like the
1: subpoena thing where it's like, well, you get a a law enforcement agency gets a court order to go to Apple and say, we need the records of this person. Um, And Apple has to provide them with those records if they can. uh, And they have been able to do that with things like the unencrypted iCloud backup, Mm -hmm. which gives access to all of that. With if it's end-to-end encrypted and Apple does not hold the keys, Apple can't do that, right? That also means that Apple can't help you out when you call and say, oh, I lost my uh, password and I can't get any of my photos. Um, that and, and that leads to some other features that are in here. But yeah, that's the idea is if the FBI comes to Apple and says, I want this, Apple... If if Advanced Data Protection is turned on, Apple will say, we can't provide that to you because we actually don't hold the key mm-hmm. to unlock that data. We can give you the encrypted data, I guess, but that's it. We can't decrypt it for you.
0: I want to put a pin in that part and come back to it in a minute because I just want to go through, she said, like the, the other thing that you mentioned. So one of the reasons that apparently Apple's been resistant to have end-to-end encryption is the customer support angle. So So if somebody loses the access to their devices and forgets their iCloud password, in theory, then they have lost all of their data, all of their photos, their notes, right? They've lost their messages. They've lost everything. And that can be pretty catastrophic to someone. So they're doing a couple of things. One, advanced data protection is opt-in and you have to read and agree to a bunch of scary warnings where they are... And Craig Federighi did a a short video interview with Joanna Stern. People should go watch that. It was very interesting. Um, And he referenced it... like the responsibility like it's added responsibility for you and potentially somebody else in your life as they've created like they want to basically force you into doing one of a couple of different things one is to print out or like take note of this very long code a recovery code you know i Mm -hmm. will get it put it in one password or something Uh, and or create a recovery contact. So, for example, I could set Jason as my recovery contact. And if I lost all of my access, I can ask it to contact my recovery contact. It will send Jason a code and then give some instructions that he would then go through with me to help me get my account back. This is smart, right? Like this is the way to do it if you're going to do it. And also to make sure that if you don't add this, we're not going to let you put it on, I think is probably the way to go,
1: right? and i don't know exactly technically what's happening with that but i i my guess is that a- apple has a portion of the decryption key but not either apple has or or the person you share it with has it but i my guess is that apple has a portion of it and then a portion of it is placed in the in the the person
0: well i just assumed that this was just like a code that you needed to access the password reset field, or something like that. That's how I'd assumed it was.
1: Yeah, but you got to be able to you you got to be able to decrypt the data. If the data is decrypted, you can reset the password. But how do you get to the oh. how do you get to the uh, the decryption key, right? Yeah. Um. And this is and this is actually one of the things that struck me about this that I think is worth diving into. And I don't like I said maybe there's something written about this. I haven't seen it, but having that other person is a potential weakness in this, right? If you're if you're afraid that a state actor is coming to get you, um, you probably my guess is you would use that long decryption code that you have in a very, very safe place.
0: Or the physical key thing, right? You could also use that, which they added support for.
1: Right. But like this is the um this is the challenge there is that you have a backup and one of your backups is a person. If that person is not using the system, right? Like, okay, does Apple have access to the information in their backup that Mm. would give them access? And it sounds like, I don't know that there's a collaboration going on here. I'm sure that Apple has thought this through, but it is, it is just, it's a little bit like saying, well, we're doing two factor, but we're putting it in a text message, right? It's like, well, the text message could get intercepted, right? That that is you you your alternate method is, has to also be secure. So I think that that's a question that's that uh, I don't know the answer to, but it's a nice idea that is like for especially for consumer type people or people who want to do this but are are not at the level of being a dissident uh, or a journalist or something like that is. Uh, is saying, well, I, I want to turn this feature on anyway, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to turn it on and give it to my pal. And my pal is going to turn it on and give it to me, and then we're our backup contacts. Mm-hmm. And that that's probably enough for anybody but at the highest levels of security.
0: So it's going to be available in the U.S. by the end of 2022 and is going to be available outside the U.S. later um, in, 2023 in 2023. Yeah. And then at some point... Um and it seems rest of the world will see what countries it is or isn't in, right? And I'm gonna be intrigued to see, right? Like when pressed by Joanna Stern, Craig was like eh, about China was like, Well, they haven't told us it can't be or whatever. Like I don't yeah, as far as I'm I aware, it's okay. Like, yeah. And I'm intrigued what that what that was an interesting answer. I will be really intrigued to see what happens because everybody well no, you may not know, but we spoke about it a bunch. I the iCloud servers for China are in China. This is a, this is a, they're operated there. This is the thing that doesn't happen in other countries that where it's like mandated that it must be. Um, so I'm, I'm very intrigued to see about the way that that ends up going down.
1: Right. Because all it really takes is for the, for, for China to pass a new law that says, uh, no encryption for stuff stored on cloud or Mm -hmm. something. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's all they really need to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they're like, Apple, you have to follow our laws you can't you can't have this feature in china we've outlawed this feature in china
0: and that's interesting right if that happens so let's imagine that the american government does this right as we'll just we'll just purely hy- hypotheticalize it uh what then happens to this feature like if you've turned it on and then in 3 years time it's now illegal and to end encryption is illegal is there anything that realistically can be done at that point like you've turned it on
1: uh, well, yeah, I mean, Apple could force a uh, software off? update that turns it off.
0: Because this is the thing, right? Apple are now, and I'm sure this is one of the other reasons that they've not done this before, and I'm intrigued, I'm really intrigued as to why now, like, about this, but this is going to upset a lot of nations,
1: right? Yeah.
0: It shouldn't, but it's going to. uh I think it's it's going to upset, I mean, probably every government in the world, honestly, like, is probably there is going to be some part of each government that's going to be annoyed about well, this in some way or especially if you define the
1: government there as you talk about the law enforcement entities in those organizations right because because the truth is every law enforcement organization will complain whenever there is any reduction in the number of techniques that they have mm-hmm. to get what they want, right? Like that is, and I always say this, but like this goes back to the Miranda warning that we've seen in every detective and cop show ever on TV in our lifetimes. When that came in in 1971, 70, something like that, 50 more, fifty or more years ago, uh, everybody was like, oh, cops are never going to be able to, uh, to interrogate anyone or arrest anyone. And it wasn't true it was, they just had to read them their rights. Like, but, but they fought it because they're like, no, no, we don't want them to know their rights. And, and this is, this is a little like that where it's like, they they will never, it's not the job of the police to say, no, no, we don't want this. Um, it is the job of the, the rest of the, the lawmakers essentially to say what the rules are there. And, th- and I think that's the question worldwide, as you point out, which is, is, End-to-end encryption, encryption that so there's no way to have it be um, have it be retrieved under a court order or something something that could be made illegal. And if it is, what does Apple do? And I think the answer is probably that in countries where it's illegal, Apple turns this feature off. I think that's what it means.
0: What else realistically can they do? I guess in that situation, right? Does. You have to, I guess, if they want to operate in a certain country, they have to abide by its laws, which is why there'll be USB-C on iPhones,
1: right? Because right. what are they going to do? Are we going to do our real-time follow-up now so people don't uh, email us?
0: I mean, it's probably too late, but Zach has given us a, a link in the Discord to an Apple support document.
1: It's what I said, which is Apple keeps part of it, and part of it is- The recovery is, contact. The reco- we're talking about uh, the yes, recovery it contact. Is, yeah. Apple keeps part of it, and part of it goes to the recovery contact. Uh-huh. And so Apple could be subpoenaed, but the recovery contact also has it.
0: Well, it's a different key. So- Oh, I'm going to yeah. read. When a user sets up a recovery contact, the key to access the user's data, including end-to-end encrypted CloudKit data, is encrypted with a random key that is then split between the recovery contact and Apple. At recovery time, only when the two are recombined can the original key be recovered and their data accessed.
1: Right. So my only question is, where is that key stored and is that also encrypted? <laughs> I assume it
0: is. Let's assume yes. I think we could probably assume yes, yeah, right? right. Like, is really... This this whole advanced data protection thing, it feels to me like, hey, we're going to do this seriously now, where in the past it's been a little bit like, yeah, but you kind of, like, you know, like as we said earlier, right? You are end-to-end encrypted in some instances, and some stuff is, unless you do this, and, but it doesn't feel like that now. This to me feels very much like, for some reason, they have decided that now is the time that they're going to pull the trigger and just do this whole thing. But I am really intrigued about, you know, so you were saying about uh, law enforcement agencies, right? And Mm -hmm. we remember the San Bernardino case. It was a, you know, uh, uh, there was a FBI needed Apple to unlock a phone because of a, a shooting and they had the phone of the people and they wanted to get it so they could find out what was going on and Apple wouldn't do it, couldn't do it, wouldn't do it, and wouldn't do what the FBI wanted them to do, which was to create basically a backdoor into iOS to allow them to get that data.
1: Yeah, a special version of iOS that they could put on it that would, yeah, exactly.
0: So the thing at the time was Apple were being roasted in the media, right, of supporting terrorism, basically. It is only a matter of time now until this happens again because they've set up this feature. What do you think about this?
1: Uh I mean I I feel like there're going to be places where it is it is outlawed and there're going to be places where it's not because it's going to be debated um and not and and it, like in the US it's possible that they might outlaw something like this but I think the truth is that you know, when I talk about Miranda as an example, it's because, like, it all went okay. Like, what happened in the San Bernardino case is they they bought some off-the-shelf software that used a security hole to unlock a phone. Yeah. And 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 Apple tries to close those security holes, too. And that's a whole other story where they're like, how dare they fix the security? And Apple's statement there is always very strong, which is if if good guys can use the security hole, bad guys also can use the security hole and we protect our customers from bad guys. So we close all the security holes. That's our goal. But there are always going to be, you know, probably some that exist. That's just sort of the nature of the complex systems here. So, you know, I, I, uh, there'll be lots of talk about it. And I think in certain places there will be action, but in a place like uh, the U.S. where there's a lot of, uh, you know, you would need a lot of political will and there are, you know, things like right to privacy and the Constitution, right? Like it, it might be harder to make that sort of sweeping statement, but in China it won't be.
0: And you know, because as well, they're also introducing the lockdown mode, right? And this is for, I mean, it's it's create. We spoke about this before. Created for people that are potential targets of state interference but anyone can turn it on and it essentially limits how an iPhone talks to the web to thwart backdoor attempts to protect against these kinds of software, right? Like the Pegasus software and stuff like that. So like the combination of advanced secure, advanced data protection and lockdown mode, like that phone is in a Faraday cage as much as Apple can make it. Right. And so it's of, I, I would just say, I mean, I don't want anyone to, to misunderstand me. I am very happy that they have done this. I think they should do this. I have wanted this for myself, and I'm going to turn it on as soon as I get access to it. I'm just intrigued about Apple having done this with all of the potential problems that they could get themselves into for it.
1: Right. It's all the reasons that we said that they, pro- that they probably wouldn't do this or yeah. they might not do this, even though we wanted them to do it, was... That they were going to end up uh, putting themselves up against a lot of people and a lot of governments all around the world and a lot of law enforcement who have come to rely on subpoena. Well, and and let's just back up a point. What what we're saying here is that technology changed the game in terms of law enforcement in a few ways. Yes, it is used. It can be used by criminals to commit crimes. Uh, and you can have a burner phone or you can have encrypted messages that they can't get to. But like the big picture is also that uh, we put all of our key information on a device and the device we is something we carry around with us. And it used to be and a lot of the laws are written in the Constitution and 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 all sorts of things that in the U.S. at least like. Uh, there, there is what's in your mind. It's not subpoenaable. There's the stuff that's in your house, which is subpoenaable, but you have to actually get it. The things you carry on your phone out in public, um, do not have the same protection as the things that are in your house, which do not have the same protection as the things that are in your brain. Right? Like that, there's a, there is a. A change there where the the phone is like a loophole where it's like, aha, you carry that out in the world and we can get it and we can look at it. And cloud services are like that too, right? We move to the cloud and now your personal information is suddenly not on your person or in your brain, but it's in some company's data center, unencrypted or encrypted and they have the key. And it's the, it's a loophole for them. It is a tool they can use where they're like, oh, now all that stuff that would have been committed to memory or written down on a piece of paper, you know, somewhere locked up is now just in this place where we can just get a subpoena and take it. And so they've benefited greatly from that. But I would argue, and I think Apple would argue, that that was a function of the early days of the cloud and that the, the the direction this is all going is back toward toward if it's your personal data you should hold the key to it yep and um that that is that is what apple's trying to do is say look it was a function of the development of this that for a while there was uh, unencrypted stuff or or stuff that was encrypted in the and the cloud provider held the key but that's not how in the grand scheme of things somebody's personal information should or has ever really worked and uh, we we don't want to hold the key and we don't believe Apple would say we don't believe that any big tech company should hold the key to their customers personal information the the customer should right and i think they're absolutely 100% right about that you know that that's not going to make people in law enforcement very happy But I think that that's the fact. And the challenge is that I can say that. And I can say that I think that there's a lot of uh, of history and law in the United States that supports that. But, you know, it's one, you know, one uh, act of Congress like uh, back after 9-11, where they where they suddenly were like, oh, no, we need to make a whole bunch of stuff illegal and uh, one step like that or. We live in an era now where I have to say, or a Supreme Court ruling that goes against all sorts of established law <laughs> because they've decided that they want it to be different. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all it will take in the U.S. Uh, for something like that to happen. But I do think Apple is doing the right thing. And I think it's interesting because they, they, they have to know. All of the crap that is going to come down on them, it's inevitable, right? In in a place like China or other authoritarian countries, it may just be as simple as you can't do that here. And in a place like the U.S., it starts with a crime being committed and then somebody from the FBI walking out and saying, Apple is the reason that we can't investigate this because they've chosen to harbor the secrets of criminals without any access for law enforcement. And we've been through that before. So, you know, but but I think it's still the right thing for them to do. Um, And I think they will probably be forced in some markets to just turn this stuff off. Mm -hmm. But part of me thinks that the strategy here is Apple wants to be in the place where Apple has done everything that it can to ensure the privacy of the data of its users. And that if that privacy is taken away, it's because it's been taken away by a government uh, or you know basically by a government by a law by something and it allows apple to say it's not us we're we're not conspiring to to take away your privacy your government has forced us to and now people can roll their eyes at that and be like oh well yeah you're just complying like that always is what happens with apple and china right is that apple complies with china's restrictive laws and then everybody says well you should just leave china which we know they can't do um, and Apple's policy has always been like, we comply with the laws. So like when they were in Russia, they are like, we're going to suggest the apps that the Russian government passed a law saying that we have to give to you. Or we're going to change the emoji or whatever. Exactly right. And that has been, so that, and you, you don't have to like it, but I feel like that is Apple's base strategy is, uh, let's let's come out and say, we have the capability to do the right thing. And if we aren't allowed to do the right thing, it's because somebody forced us, Right. That's mm-hmm. the answer there. And then people will still complain and be like, well, you should just leave that country. Okay. Uh, but they're probably not going to do that in most cases. If they did in Russia. They're probably not going to do that in China. Uh, but it does put them on the side of like, well, you know, we're, we, we tried to do the right thing. And then the bad people made us not.
0: Yeah, you mentioned about like, all it takes is one rule change. All it takes is one Supreme Court ruling. All it takes is one rule change in any country to get this stuff taken away. Isn't there a possibility that it, but in doing this, Apple makes it more like it is more likely that this will happen in more countries? Just like the mere act of Apple creating this feature accelerates the risk of end to end encryption being made illegal because now every iPhone in the world can have full end to end encryption.
1: Yeah. Yes. But <laughs> I think I think uh, yes. But do you want to be? You know, do you want to go on having your people believe that things are secure, many of which are not? Mm-hmm. This uh, is the right I, thing
0: I, to do. I just like I get to think the, through the big, possibilities.
1: Well, no, because I get the big picture here, which might be like Apple does this, and the net result is that Signal is outlawed, right? Like right now, we live in in. in, You talk about your various kind of weird things that are based on the progression of technology, and one of them is you put things on the cloud and they aren't encrypted on the cloud, and now they and they should be, but they weren't, and now we're trying to get there, and it's a controversy. Well, one of the places we've gotten to is a lot of these major platforms, like Apple's, don't have all the encryption everywhere, and as a result, there are a bunch of third-party services like Signal that have sprouted up that are able to do complete end-to-end encryption like that that's their whole thing and they're able to do that and maybe the heat is not on them as much as it would be because they're the fallback and the the eyes of the world are on the big uh the big companies and the defaults like iMessage right and by doing this you know apple if if apple prompts more anti- encryption uh, policies, it could make it bad for everybody who is doing end-to-end encryption. That's absolutely the case. But if you're Apple, you know, I think what you think is Apple has so many more customers than Signal does, mm-hmm. and Apple feels like there's a fundamental uh, benefit to right. It's the idea of if if you lock it all down and, and you don't even think about it, then everybody is protected, and that there's value in that that however i'll also point out this feature is off by default for lots of decent reasons um but i feel like that's apple's like one hedge here is well it's a feature you can turn off uh and you have to turn it on you have to want to turn it on and most people won't turn it on and i do kind of wonder if apple's gonna when when this comes out apple's gonna say well you know people have to choose to turn it on um, they could force it, right? They could do what they've done with two-factor, which is make it extremely uncomfortable to not have two-factor authentication turned on on Apple devices, right? They they made that choice. They could do that with this, but they haven't.
0: Maybe they will one day. Who knows? I mean, it seems unlikely, but maybe they will. Um, maybe. In part of talking about this, Craig Federighi confirmed to Joanna Stern that they have abandoned their previous plans for on-device scanning of child sexual abuse material, the CSAM stuff. Yeah. They didn't give any more details. Like, what are they going to do then? <laughs> but mm. but uh, that that whole plan of the on-device scanning that we spent a bunch of time talking about, was that last year? Was that this year? It wasn't this year, was it? I, I think it was, it was last year. Yeah, I think it was so. 2021. Uh, that entire program is gone. It's just gone.
1: Yeah, it was last year. I'm sure it was one of those upgradey's bad story things, which is
0: the right thing for them to do because that was a bad idea. That was yeah, bad. but
1: this is an- another case where they are going to put themselves in um, in uh, if you, they're making a target of themselves because yep. people are going to be able to say that Apple has now no facility to scan for those images, right? Like, they're all the photos are encrypted on the server and. Uh, if they're all encrypted on the server, Apple can't scan them. And Apple's not intercepting them at upload because they're encrypted and they're not doing the thing where they in- intercept them on your phone because everybody said, well, wait a second now, my phone is spying on me. And so it's going to hasten the spread of this material. That that will be the argument.
0: See, because then I would assume, right, that Apple will have to do what other tech companies are doing if they're going to do something, which they I think they have to, which is to do... Uh, scanning in the cloud but then they can't do that they can't with advanced data protections turned on right so they've they have put themselves apple have put this put themselves into a bunch of very complicated corners with this and
1: again i wonder if the strategy here is you're gonna have to make us do it. it it's it's a it's not quite don't throw me in the briar patch but it's a little like that right it's this it's this oh no uh I don't know if they want it, but I think that it's like, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to force me, right? Like, we're not going to choose to do this, but if you make us do it, we'll do it. Because then it's not us making the decision and our hands are tied. Hmm. And, 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 I, and that like, if our commitment to privacy of our users is paramount, let's just fully commit to it and um, they can force us to, to back off of it. But we're going to be, uh, we're not going to back off of it by default, Right. And so this may be the strategy here is if you in the U.S., let's say, are so concerned about the CSAM stuff being on Apple devices, here's what you need to do. You need to make it a law that we have to scan for it and, you know, and then we'll scan for it on device and people will be angry and we'll say, sorry it's the law we have to abide by the law i do wonder if that is an aspect of this cuz they know they're going to get hit by all of this stuff either that it, well and the other part of it is maybe this is part of their strategy to say we want our customers to see that when when apple is making waves in the news it's because apple is erring on the side of the of the the privacy of the customers and not on the governments and how does that play um i think that it plays differently with different people but like i think i think that they are trying to walk the walk here to a certain degree with their discussions of privacy commitments, um, knowing that it's going to blow back.
0: Because what this does, what Advanced Data Protection does, is does the actual thing that they promised for years, which is what happens on your iPhone stays in your iPhone. It's an ad campaign they never should have done because it's one of those yeah. things that just comes around and bites them back every little while. Every right? time
1: like, there's the, anything, yeah. Those
0: pictures of the billboards at CES where they put that on these huge buildings is always used. But this is that. This is what I have wanted. Advanced Data Protection is what I, as a user, have wanted for years. Like, I just want to know that my information is mine. And... I don't worry necessarily, I mean, maybe one day I will, but I don't worry right now about a government getting in, but I do worry about Apple getting hacked. That's this. Of course it's possible, unlikely, but possible, right? That there's some kind of data breach at Apple. Like every other sure. company can be uh, succumb to it. It's just lucky maybe that they haven't so far or like there's a lot of really great work going on, but lots of companies have this stuff going on, right? it's not happened at Apple. I don't ever want it to because that's so much of my stuff. So I have wanted encryption for a long time, like full encryption of everything, including my messages, which is maybe the most important thing, right? Because that's where I'm having private conversations with all of the people in my life. talking. Like, And I want that stuff to, I want to feel that I have the same sense of security over that as I do how many steps I've walked each day, right? which that has been end-to-end encrypted for a long time is all your health data. Like, oh, my flights of stair trends. Don't let anyone see those, right? But like my messages with my wife, whatever, man. you know. So I'm really happy that they've put this in because it's great. But it is an absolute minefield that they're walking into and I am fascinated to
1: see where it goes. Yeah, and it's going to go somewhere. I don't think this is going to be a quiet thing. This uh-uh, is going to no be, they, they are they are prompting response by uh-huh. doing this, right?
0: And maybe this why this isn't wasn't an iOS 16 thing, right? Like they didn't want the, high, the whole conversation of their new operating system to be focused around this in the mainstream media. So it's like, we'll, we'll leave this for a later point and then introduce it now or whenever it was ready.
1: Also, this is the time to introduce it where um, you can introduce it and ship it fairly quickly. Right. Yep. Whereas if they introduced this in June and said it'll ship this fall sometime, that get, that would give it everybody, including governments, time to react to it. Mm-hmm. Here they they want to ship it and then again, if my theory is right, ship it and so then they can point to the governments and say that's why you don't get this feature. It's not us.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Clean My Mac X. Make sure that you can trust your Mac. It is a crucial tool for work, education, life, just getting things done, hanging out, entertainment, whatever. Mac poor are on a mission to make sure that your machine helps you. That is why they developed CleanMyMac X, an ideal decluttering app for the Mac to keep yours in tip-top shape. CleanMyMac X includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. That stuff that's getting buried up in a folder somewhere that you can't ever seem to access. CleanMyMac X can find it and help you get rid of it. It can help you tune up your Mac so it runs at maximum speed. It will organize disk space for you, show you those large hidden folders so you can free up tons of space so you never run into issues of storage. This is something I use CleanMyMac X for because I find myself like, how am I running out of storage right now? And it turns out that there's some backup of... Vicla or something running that I did like a month ago, and it's just on my Mac somewhere, and like some oh, and I never know how to get rid of it. Plus, Finder these days just likes to tell me a completely random amount of storage that I have available, but clean my MacX will sort it out. It fights Mac-specific malware and adware, protecting your computer and will just generally prevent your Mac from cluttering, lagging, and slowing down. CleanMyMac also has a new uh, menu app to help you keep check of what your Mac is up to, your storage, state of protection, CPU performance, RAM usage, battery, network speed, all of this in six detailed monitors to provide you that useful information whenever you need it. CleanMyMac X is notarized by Apple and available in the Mac App Store, and it stands out in its design. In 2021, CleanMyMac was honored with a Red Dot Award, UX Design Award, and has become a Webby Award nominee in 2020. As well, so go get Clear My Mac X today with five percent off at MacPaw.app/upgrade. This discount is only valid for two weeks. That slash MacPaw.app/upgrade for five percent off. A thanks to Clear My Mac X for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. So there's been some news uh, from Mark Gurman around Apple's
1: uh, car project. <laughs> hey, Mike, mm-hmm. do you remember when I said? that if Apple was committed to shipping a car without a steering wheel, that it would never ship.
0: Yes. And it seems like that may, in fact, be the case. Uh, Mark Gurman is reporting that Apple is making significant changes to their ongoing car project. They are no longer planning to release a fully self-driving vehicle, so it will, in fact, have a steering wheel and pedals, What if you could imagine such a thing. Uh, it has been uh, considered as not feasible at this oh. time hmm. to continue with that idea. Interesting. Uh, it will have some autopilot-like features for driving on highways and stuff. And the Bloomberg report says that Apple is intending that people could use the screens in their cars for apps, multitasking, and entertainment while this is happening. I don't see that as a possibility. Again, the laws... The yes. laws,
1: everybody, and also just like I don't know, maybe it's I don't know. Uh, Apple will well, of the course te- the Teslas that have screens in the back seat, they can mm-hmm. they can use those screens to like watch movies and stuff. But yeah. there there are laws against the driver being able to see distracting stuff in the at least in the U.S. Right, like it's not allowed when you're in drive to have like videos playing on the screen. You're not allowed to do that.
0: At least for a long time. We've got a long time before that should be a thing people will be able to do.
1: Feels like that. That is a yeah. That is the well. I think not to draw more Tesla parallels, but this this report sounds a little bit like oh, but we are going to be able to do full self driving level five on highways, uh, and 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 maybe that like I have. One of my Apple car theories really is that the reason Apple is doing this is that Apple is convinced or somebody at Apple is convinced that they are going to be able to be the ones to crack the level five, which is like completely autonomous driving algorithm. And I'll just point out that like Tesla has been trying to sell and has been selling this full self-driving thing for ages now that is not full self-driving, right? It's not. It's just not. You have to pay attention all the time and it'll drive itself a little bit, but it is not. It is not a completely autonomous, you don't need to look uh, kind of mode. And I feel like Apple somehow thinks that maybe they could do it where Tesla has not yet succeeded after trying for, you know, a decade. And leaving aside whether that's realistic or not like it would at least make it understandable like if apple thinks they could be first to market with a truly autonomous self-driving car then that would be a reason to make a car right if you're apple is if you think yeah. like oh we've got it nailed we've got it down nobody else does but we do and so when in this context of saying like letting people use apps while they're driving on the on the highway that's sort of how i read it is them saying to themselves well we may be able not to do, this is like what John Syracuse always talks about when he believes they will never be self-driving cars, truly, is local roads that are terrible, right? Like local roads that are terrible. We were driving, uh, Lauren and I were driving to Curling the other day and uh, it had rained and the, and the sun was coming up and the sun was bouncing off the road and they had done work on the road where they had, had moved some of the roads. So there were lines, but there were also places where the lines had been that had been scraped off and seams in the concrete or seams in the pavement. You could not tell where the lanes were on that on that. And I was on a freeway. But like, so roads are right, like the human brain struggles with roads sometimes. To get a system that's so perfect that all the little roads and everything are going to be covered exactly. It seems unlikely, but maybe Apple's placing a bet here if they really do believe they've cracked level five autonomy or, or that they're going to, which I think is, I would say, look at the lesson of Tesla, which is Tesla has thought that they were about to be there for a while and they, they're not there. Um, but if they do think that they would say something like this, right? Which is like, okay, maybe you're going to need a steering wheel for like the streets, but once you get on the highway, boom, you just lean back, watch some TV. I, I just, I don't think it's realistic.
0: Apple will, of course, be designing its own chips for their car project to run on. Apparently, their chips are nearly production ready and are four times more powerful than anything they currently make. I'm not really sure why that means anything, but that's the thing. Like, what about 40 times more powerful? Like, how much more powerful does a car need? I don't know, because it's not even about power, right? It's more about the ability to do things in real time, which is... Right, because that, that's the whole thing about cars—is it's a different type of operating system, right? It's a real-time operating mm, system.
1: Yeah, I guess it's. I guess the idea there is that if you're if you're processing input from all sorts of different places, that's a huge uh-huh. amount of data, and you need the speed to process all the input and do whatever kind of like neural processing you need to do in order to because that's what you're trying to do is you've got a bunch of sensors. I don't know what Apple's car sensor plan is, but you got a bunch of sensors and you've got. A, a some sort of neural net processing as well. There's a huge amount of data feeding in there, so that it can see essentially, right? And it can make and then make driving decisions based on what it can see.
0: And they're going to be doing that: lidar, radar, and cameras. Apple are going to be making all their own custom sensors and using their own uh, components for this. Uh, a quote from the article: Apple will use the cloud for some AI processing, and the company is considering a remote command center that could assist drivers and control cars from afar during emergencies that also seems to tie somewhat into the satellite thing as well which I found interesting kind of wild and they are targeting a sub $100,000 price for the car so it would basically be in the Tesla Model S right luxury sedan i yeah. mean
1: i've i've kind of assumed all along that if apple ever made a car it would it would start with the luxury sedan and then follow with the luxury crossover SUV thing, and then they'd go from there. Apple Car Um, Mini. That that sounds about right.
0: Yeah, sure. So here's my question for you, right? I, so reading all of this, like I think it'll be interesting to see what exactly could an Apple car, like the hardware of the car do to make it stand out and also to make it be trusted? Like, because if they can you know we saw the carplay preview right if they continue to make carplay better and carplay can be more integrated and more awesome then an apple car may not have that much of a software advantage because you can get like the apple experience in another car so how is how would an apple car set itself apart from any other car
1: well my guess so and also I think Mark Herman's report says that they're they're still talking to car companies about using their platform. So they're not going to build their own electric car platform. They're going to use somebody's electric car platform. They're, you know, the 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 wheels and the and the engine mm-hmm. and all of that. So what's left is the 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 shape of the car, the details on the interior and the exterior, the fact that they will own the entire interface Wall to wall. Although again, that CarPlay announcement seemed to suggest that they wanted to be able to do that in everybody's car, who was would choose to be a partner for that that new version of CarPlay, and that they would have all the all the amazing integrated intelligence that um, is suggested in Mark Gurman's report. Right, like the stuff that takes it takes it to another level because it's the complete Apple experience. So it's high quality materials and it's the complete Apple experience through and through, and you know, I, I think that the truth is that this felt like more, five years ago, this felt more like an opportunity than it does now, because so many other electric cars are in the market now. When Back when it was sort of like Tesla and nobody else, or Tesla and like little tiny roller skate cars, like like my Nissan Leaf, right? That that it was like, well, there's a real opportunity for Apple to get, get in there and, and sort of out Tesla Tesla. But now it's like, okay, yeah, but also every other car manufacturer, yeah. and you're doing this carplay thing that maybe allows them to pr- bring Apple's interface into their whole design on the inside of the screens. So what is left to really differentiate you? and and I'm sure like we can imagine it, right? Like I'm sure Apple could make something that would, be a, you know, truly a luxury car for nerds <laughs> that has great materials and an interesting look and and has Apple's touch of design everywhere. Like I can I can see that. But it feels less essential than it did 5 years ago, right? Like when they started this project it seemed like there was more of a moment for them to come in, and now it feels like there's less of that.
0: Yeah, because there's so much trust, right? Like, that maybe people don't think about, but there is a trust that you've got to have, that the car's going to protect you and is going to be good, right? And Tesla was able to skirt some of that trust by being, like, this quote unquote like first really good electric car, right? First luxury mm-hmm. electric car. So that excitement drew people to them and then people bought the cars. But now everyone's making luxury electric cars. Yeah. So there is le- like I I don't know what Apple's thing is gonna be that makes people jump over that hurdle.
1: And this has been the thing that I think looking back and reading Mark's reports on this over time and looking back over the whole history of this Project Titan thing. I'm really coming around to the idea that the thing is that Apple believes they can make a self-driving car that actually works. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I think that what's motivated them all along is Apple's belief that Apple is so brilliant. And they have, you know, again, they they do have brilliance, but the question is, can they apply it in this category? And we've seen... Other companies try to apply it and have not succeeded. But Apple believing like we're Apple, we can do this. We are going to be able to roll in here like we did with the iPhone, right? We're going to roll in and say, yeah, you've been doing all of these sort of like mildly autonomous cars that you have to really kind of only on certain roads and you got to pay attention all the time and we're blowing it away. Like we're, we're making a completely self-driving car. You, you wouldn't even need to be inside. You could just say, go pick up my kid and it would go over there, right? Like I think that was the initial conception and and now where we are is sort of like the bargaining stage where if i read mark's report correctly maybe they say well it's kind of like a tesla but we have better software so that when you're on a highway it will be self-driving but the other times you have to have a steering wheel because the other times it won't be at least not yet but eventually you like right and they're bargaining bargaining and the, the bargaining uh is about the different level of differentiation they can do and it seems like they're scaling it down and they're scaling it down and they're scaling it down but i think at least what they want to answer your question to set it apart is that feature is the autonomy and and some level of it somewhere where they feel like this is going to be that they've cracked it and that no one else is going to be able to provide that level of intelligent safety and self-driving and auto correction and whatever else and then what apple does I I am really skeptical that they are going to be able to roll in and do that because the whole industry has been trying to do that for a long time and has not succeeded. And it's turned out to be much harder. I mean, again, there's a lot of baggage here, but following um, Elon Musk on the space side for liftoff, Stephen and I learned he makes... Lots of bold pronouncements that don't a- end up happening, which is not to say that SpaceX hasn't done amazing things, but but they make a lot and he makes a lot of things that are, you know, announcements of things that just are never going to happen on the timeline that he specifies. And Tesla, you know, I think that's, the, that's one of the issues with Tesla and it comes down to Musk, but it's also this belief that like, oh yeah, it's just around the corner, full self-driving, we're going to call it that. And like... And it's not just around the corner. There's always another beta. There's always another YouTube video that shows that it still can't make unprotected left turns. You know, it gets better and better. And that's a company that has been out there testing this in the field, having real people use it for years now. And it's still like it keeps getting incrementally better. So the idea that Apple is going to be like, yes, but in secret, we have cracked it we've solved all the problems and we are ahead of everyone look if that's the case then there is absolutely a reason for them to sell a car i just am a little skeptical that what's going on there is actually and we see it with the oh maybe we do need a steering wheel thing it's actually a great belief in their own a- ability to solve the problem while actually not being able to solve the problem because it's a very very hard problem
0: i don't know about this whole thing i really don't i really <laughs> I don't, don't know. know about this whole thing like i i'm now starting to read this as They committed so much time and money that now somebody has said, "You got to ship something."
1: We might as well just make a. Hey, people will buy an Apple car for a hundred thousand, and it'll be kind of like a Tesla. I think that's that may be where we end up. Is that they will ship a car? The rationalizing. It it will. It will be made in partnership with some other car maker, but it will have the Apple stamp on it, and it will. It will be. It will be like a Tesla, right? It will be a computer car it'll have nice features it'll be pricey but it'll be nice it'll be maybe the luxury people will look at it and be like this isn't like they do with Teslas and be like well this is weird but the the nerds will look at it and go yay it's a it's a computer car uh and it will do some level of like it'll do what Tesla does it'll have like oh it's got a sensor to tell you when you've changed lanes and a, a sensor to turn on the high beams and and like and it'll on the high it'll have like limited autonomy features in specific circumstances but you still have to pay attention and, and like you can see how if they back off far enough they'll literally just be making a tesla except it'll be an apple um and and i think that if i if you if you had to ask me to to predict what the most likely scenario is for the apple car my number one would be none and my number two would be it'll basically be like a tesla not a revolutionary autonomous vehicle, but more or less the same kind of thing we see from Tesla, where it's a computer car that's got those, you know, very mild machine learning-based features.
0: This episode is brought to you by our friends at Trade Coffee. Big fan of Trade Coffee because I love coffee. I drink coffee every single day. Every morning starts with a good cup of coffee. If you're like me, you should be checking out Trey Coffee because they make it super easy to get the very best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasteries around the country. Trey Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover something new and make your best cup of coffee at home every single day because they partner with not just independent roasters, but the top rated independent roasters to make sure that you're gonna get new coffee that you're gonna love, sent fresh and directly to your home on whatever schedule you prefer. Whether you already know what you like or you're new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it so easy and convenient to discover new coffees. One of my favorite things is I had a a, a cup of coffee once and was in San Francisco and saw the roastery that it came from. I was like, oh, I was sent a bag of that coffee at home was wonderful. I also love that Trade just do so much work in the curation of making sure that they find all these incredible coffees that I could sign up for a subscription. They know what I like and they send me things whenever I want it. But I can also just go to the store. I can buy stuff. Uh, I can buy things from companies that I've used before. I can try out some new things. It really is awesome. I absolutely adore all of the products that they've had and have loved every single cup of coffee that I've had from Trade because they know that that is incredibly important and they want to make sure that you are happy with the coffee that you get trade coffee is the perfect gift for loved ones around this time of year and they make it so easy with their digital gifting options for last minute shoppers or their coffee and equipment bundles for something under the tree that is a wonderful gift for the coffee nerd in your life treat yourself or that coffee lover with Trade Coffee. Right now Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off a subscription and access to limited time holiday specials. Just go to drinktrade.com/upgrade and check them out for yourself today. That's drinktrade.com/upgrade for $30 off. That's drinktrade.com/upgrade. Our thanks to Trade Coffee for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's finish out today's episode with some hashtag askupgrade questions. Jack asks, why do you think Safari extensions don't work in in in-app browsers on iOS? Is it just something Apple hasn't gotten to yet? Drives me mad when I'm blinded by a white website at night because it wasn't noirified.
1: Noirified. Noirified, yeah. Noir is a great Safari extension. I... I assume that it's a security issue that they that they don't want um extensions rewriting stuff inside apps, but I don't know um it is it, it, i i I mean all I can say is I don't know the answer to this I assume that there's a reason I hate it too I hate it too. I also hate it because here's a funny thing I use twitterific. And I always have it in dark mode, even though my iPad isn't always in dark mode. I have Twitterific in dark mode just because I like it, and it means that all web views in Twitterific load in dark mode. It's super weird, I and I don't understand it. And is it like is it inheriting a flag that's coming from the app, and so it's decided that since the Twitter background is I don't know. Anyway, are they able to affect
0: that in any way?
1: I think maybe they are setting that they're in a dark mode and then when they open the web view because if I then open it in Safari it just opens in the normal view. So they seem to be it seems to be inheriting the view that's coming from Twitter. Twitterific. And maybe, you know, technically maybe it's a bug since it shouldn't be doing that, but anyway, my point is I don't I don't know why. My guess is that Apple has some reason that involves a scenario where uh, either they don't, either they just don't want to build that interface, or they haven't built that interface yet into the simplified interface of a web view. But it's also possible that there is a security concern where they, like, they don't want to have the ability to rewrite the contents of web uh, browser in app web browsers, either for the sake of the developer who's getting not getting what they expect, or for the sake of the user who might be having seeing something that is not what they're actually supposed to be seeing. I don't know, but I hate it too. That's my answer. Is I I wish it was also not true. Somebody out there who knows the answer uh, that you can, who's at Apple, can tell us. Great, tell us. We'll uh, we'll do some ask upgrade follow up next time because I would like to know if there's a real reason or if it's just like we haven't gotten yeah. to that yet.
0: And also that person, if you could like just make it work,
1: Just slide it in there Just yeah. make a file, a file a radar. No, do feedback. a little uh, pull request merge um yeah drop that in just like a if in app browser then um extensions equals yes semicolon brackets
0: this is one of my favorite ask up questions of all time it comes from connie mm-hmm. if apple events had a marvel style post-credit scene that would tease the next product that they're going to drop at the next keynote what would you picture for one of the uh, upcoming, maybe mixed reality headset or Apple Car, right? So you get the post credit scenes where they're like, oh, something else is happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What would Apple do? So I was imagining one. I actually, too, pull from Marvel. So in uh, the Iron Man movies, right? You know, you'd get those uh, scenes where you'd be looking at Tony Stark's face, like the camera's like inside the helmet, you know? And you could see like his face talking to Jarvis or whatever he's flying around. I imagine one of those, but it's Tim Cook and he's got the AR helmet on and we don't see it but we know he's got it on and he's like, oh, "Wow!" and that's the end. Uh, that's the post-credit oh, scene, you know? That's what I imagine.
1: I feel like in the true uh true tradition of Marvel movies, it'll be like somebody we've never seen before but who is known uh but you've got to like go on the internet and look up who they are because you don't uh-huh. recognize them, but they are a known person at Apple. Um, that only the real hardcore nerds will recognize them Um, Uh and and you're like what are they doing and you know and the truth is they're going to be revealed to be the next Apple CEO but that doesn't happen until phase six (laughs) and they drive away in a car that we only get a glimpse of, and we're like, "Who was that? And what were they driving?" I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'll look it up on the internet later. The end.
0: Oh, have you not heard of that person? They're the vice president of software architecture and you systems. Know? Oh,
1: the backstory there is amazing because they they worked for they worked for Intel for a while, and then they went they did a startup, and then they came back to Apple, bought the startup, and they came back. It's a it's a complicated backstory. Uh, but you can read all about. It. I've got a book that you can read about it if you want to. And it's like, no, 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 that's fine. I'll just wait for the next. Apple event. They're really big on the weblogs like it's a big
0: yeah. deal in the weblogs like if you've oh, read man. the web weblogs then you'll know all about them oh man, I love that question and I when I read your answer in the document earlier and I chuckled to myself, I enjoyed that a <laughs> lot Jason, thank you. This is very good uh, John asks this is a Jason Snell question if you mm-hmm. could choose one feature from the iPhone 14 Pro to have in your 13 mini, what would it be? <sighs>
1: This this actually was harder than I thought, because uh-huh. I kept coming up with new answers.
0: Uh huh.
1: I was like, oh, well, obviously it will be the, and then I realized, so I was like, the camera, it's going to be the camera. I just want that camera. The camera is so great, and the camera in the mini is kind of lacking, so I want that camera. And then I thought about it, and I thought, well, no, I could survive with the mini camera. But the number one reason I'm still using the, my review unit of the iPhone 14 is because I want to write and talk about the dynamic island. So I have to say the dynamic island because it would let me go back to my mini <laughs> and I'd still have the dynamic island there. But the, but the feature that I would be truly envious of is the camera. The, the, the camera, cameras on that iPhone 14 Pro are amazing. But if I had to pick one, because I, I have not bought a new iPhone and I want to keep using the mini, but the problem is I do need to actually like the state of the art for the iPhone right now is the, is the Pro phone with the dynamic island. I can't not use that, even though that phone is huge and weighs a ton. And I, I, I really would rather be using my mini. So uh, if if I magically got a dynamic island on my iPhone mini, I'd be very happy.
0: And Craig asks, "Are you still using or enjoying the playdate? Is it still a good purchase now that you spent more time with it?"
1: I'm very happy that I bought it. Yep. Um, I wish I was playing it more. Yep. I'm not playing it more for two reasons. One is, as I've mentioned several times, I understand why they made the decisions they did, but not having a backlit screen limits where I can play it. And there are times where I think, oh, I could play the play date. And I realize, well, I can't because there's not enough light because it really needs to be in a well-lit situation. Um, And the other reason is just me. I, I am not a big game player. I like the idea of playing games. And then I almost always choose something else to do with my time. I prioritize other things over games a lot and i am amazed by my friends who play lots of games but my understanding is they're also amazed by the fact that i read that i've read more than 50 books this year so i guess that's part of it is i'm watching movies and tv shows and doing podcasts about them and i'm reading books and games don't often um rise up to that moment but that said i've loved a lot of the games on the playdate and there are, there are a few in particular that I've that I have, I've been meaning to write a story about, like, the ones that I absolutely love. Um, and I would absolutely, you know, sign up for a season two of games. And um, I wish I played it more. But really, in the end, I think it comes down to just not. I I've I brought it with me on trips, being like, I'm going to play that play date. And it's like, I, I don't. Or I play it one time. Or I try to play it on the plane and realize that the light above the seat isn't bright enough at the right angle for me to play. And stuff like that. So I'm happy I played it. I wish I pl- I like it so much that I wish I would play it more. But it never, um, or rarely, seems to rise to that. And then every now and then I'm like, oh yeah, play date. And then I'll go and I'll play some more Pick Pack Pup or whatever that one is. That's kind of like Asteroids. And I'll just play those again because I love them.
0: I basically agree with 100% of everything that you said and feel exactly the same. Hmm. Like my only difference is I got a Steam Deck.
1: Yeah, you do play games.
0: I play lots. And and so that has opened up the amount of games that I play. And I've just had a lot of really, really good big games that I've wanted to play this year. And there's a bunch that I haven't even gotten to. So if I'm going to play games for any period of time, I'm choosing those bigger experiences. But I love the Play Day. I would do the same. Like if they announced the season two, I would be all in. Whenever they announced that Bluetooth clock dock speaker thing, I'm all in on it. Because I think it is a beautiful piece of hardware. It's very fun. And I do hope that one day that they're able to do a second play date and it does have a a backlit screen. I think it would make a big difference. I agree with you. I understand why they did it. Look, I make make products too, right? Like I understand that you have to make trade-offs, right? Like to either achieve something you're looking for or even to just make the thing, right? Like you have to make compromises.
1: I mean, it's fundamentally a casual... yeah game game handheld which is yeah. a funny category and that's a casual indie you know game handheld little cute all those things but all those things actually kind of drive it towards situations where having it be lit up <laughs> would make mm-hmm. a huge difference and i understand why it's not but like to me it, with my product reviewer hat on that is what i would say is like i i i love almost everything about it And I understand why they made the choice they did to not have a a light up display, but it dramatically reduces the opportunity I have to to actually use it. And I do love playing games on it, but a lot of the most of the times that I might play it, I'm in places where I can't play it. That's the truth of it.
0: Yeah. So if you are still thinking about it, I still recommend it. I think it's a really fun little system like a fun yep. gadget a fun toy kind of kind of thing mm-hmm. but it is not perfect and but some of the games on it are so good it's worth it <laughs> like the what was it was it Bloom just a wonderful game like mm-hmm. that's one of the games that I bought and side loaded that was just unbelievable and yeah Pickpack Pop is fantastic like there's some great stuff there's still some games I haven't played like there's a couple of games I actually have not played yet which I still want to. So it's a good little system. Uh, yeah, big fans. If you'd like to send in a question of your own, just send out a tweet with the hashtag ask Upgrade or use question mark Ask Upgrade on the RelayFM members Discord, which you can get access to if you sign up for Upgrade+. Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com. You can support the show. And thank you to Trade Coffee and Squarespace and X for the support of this show. But as always... Thank you for listening. And thank you for welcoming me back into your podcast rotation, uh, whether you like it or not, I suppose. Here I am. Uh, I had a nice break, but I'm happy to be back on Upgrade. We've got a very fun uh, next few weeks. Uh, I I enjoy this time of year around here. Got some good stuff coming up. If you want to find Jason online, go to sixcolors.com. And he's at Jason L, J S -S N E L L. -L 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 I am at iMike, I M Y K E, and we'll be back next week. Until then,
1: say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Hurley.